Good morning. morning. It's good to see you this morning. Happy Sunday. Thrilled that you're here today. Uh, It could have been a lot of different places, but yay you for being here. Yay you for tuning in to the live stream uh, because we have people all over the place who watch our live stream on a regular basis, which is kind of amazing, but it's uh, it's kind of cool. What a a time to live. We're uh, we're privileged today to have uh, a special guest with us. You know, Southwoods has been... uh, for a lot of years, we've been kind of what I titled today was spreading hope in New Zealand, but we've been spreading hope all over uh, the world. And <clears throat> I was thinking about it as I was sitting over here, every continent except Antarctica, uh, we have, we're making investments in the advancement of the gospel in some fashion in every one of those continents. And it's pretty amazing to see what God is doing. And, and today we have, a privilege, we have the privilege of being able to learn a little more of that. Uh, we have a, a guest, Jeff Palmer, is with us. Jeff's, uh, we, Jeff and I have known each other for several years at this point. He was on staff at the Crossroads Christian Church here uh, up in the Shawnee area, Southwoods, many years ago when, when the Crossroads start, uh, Church started. We helped them start through the Christian Evangelizing Association of Kansas, who we, on a regular basis, support. They also helped Southwoods start 30 years ago. Uh, believe it or not, it was this very window of time that Lori and I were deciding, yes, we're going to move to Kansas. We're going to start a new congregation, and uh, it would become the Southwoods Christian Church. So that's, that goes way back to the CEA you know, 30 years ago. But uh, we got connected through Crossroads as well as the, the CEA and have been Help, help each other in a lot of different ways through that. But then about three years ago, a little over three years ago, four years ago actually, when they decided, God called them to plant a church in Auckland, New Zealand, kind of the suburbs there. And you say, New Zealand, I would love to live in New Zealand. Well, you would, it's beautiful. Uh, but what I would say, <laughs> what I'd say it's beautiful during spring, as we've been talking, spring and summer, it's beautiful. Uh, but in winter, it's miserable and uh, cold to the bone. So uh, we'll have to pray for Jeff and his family because at five o'clock today, they get on a plane to fly back to winter in New Zealand. So, uh, so do lift them up in your prayers. But uh, we, today, for the next six hours or so, he's got opportunity, six, seven hours, he's got opportunity to stay right here where it's beginnings of summer and warm. And we get an opportunity to hear how God's been at work. Jeff, come on up if you would. And while he's doing that, uh, I'm just going to ask you to uh, bow your heads with me. We're going to pray for him as he gets started. And he's going to tell us about what they've been doing there and, of course, preach uh, scripture as well along the way. So let's pray for Jeff. And uh, we'll pray for him one more time later. So let's just pray for him as he shares this morning. Lord, we thank you for Jeff and his family. Thank you for their ministry and uh, the, the anointing, the call of God in his life to uh, plant this church in New Zealand. And uh, God, I thank you for the Vine Community Church and what's going on there, the, the lives that are being transformed, the gospel that's advancing in that place and, and a very secular, unbelieving community. Thank you that you've called him there and pray, God, that we might learn from Jeff and that a little of the fire that you've put in his soul would uh, just, maybe a whole lot of the fire you've put in his soul would just transfer into us by way of your Holy Spirit. And uh, help us now as we listen and uh, give him peace and strength as he shares. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you join me in welcoming Jeff? And then uh, we'll come back in a minute. Thanks, Greg. It's, um, it's a huge blessing to be able to be here this morning. And, uh, and just as Greg said, um, Southwoods has been a, um, a, a pivotal part in supporting the ministry that's been going on in New Zealand. Um, and I really do feel like that uh, part of, of what I want to make sure that you take away with you this morning is, uh, is a, a note, a word of gratitude. 
And it's, um, it's not necessarily a word of gratitude that's coming from me. Uh, I believe that it's coming through me to you. Um, I always say, I'm not a prophet. I'm not going to preface this with, thus saith the Lord. But I can tell you that, uh, that if, if God were to speak to you um, directly, He would say, thank you for having faith. And thank you for investing in His kingdom. Um, not thank you for investing in Jeff and Indra. What we do is bound to, to, uh, to rust and, and, uh, and deteriorate, but uh, what God has done by, um, by the way of both of us together as partners in ministry um, is going to last, is going to stand the test of time from eternity to eternity. So um, on behalf of, of our Lord, He does want to tell you, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank, thank you for investing in, in, in His work, for loving people that you don't know and you likely will never meet. Um, however, if you do decide that you want to visit New Zealand, I can introduce you to some of them. Um, they are real people and they do not have big hairy feet. So I can tell you that for, for, um, for certain. Um, so my, my wife and I, uh, Indra and our three young children, um, a little over, right about four years ago, we knew that God was, uh, was leading us, was, was calling us to, um, to serve the people of New Zealand. Um, it was about, uh, a little, a little, about four years ago or so that I did get a chance to chat with, with Greg and, and tell him about our heart um, of, of what we felt like God was asking us to do. And um, my... Um, um, my conversations with God in that time was, uh, was one that was a, bit, was a bit proud. I didn't feel like that I wanted to ask anyone for support, for donations, for money or anything. And I said, okay, Lord, this is what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to go and I'm willing to go and share what you've put on my heart for these people. And I'm going to consider it a, um, a way that you confirm your calling to us if you surround us with people that have that same, that same conviction on their heart and you en enable them to enable us to do that work. But I am not going to ask for anybody to give us any money to do it. And uh, somehow in the way, in the, in the God communication, he said, you got a deal. And that's exactly what I did. I went to, to several people that, that, I, that I knew um, had a heart for the Lord um, and that I had met through, of course, the CEA, uh, in ministry networks and um, uh, just in doing life together across the country. And uh, basically with that same message that, hey, this is what God has, has put on our heart to do, uh, the place that he's asked us to serve, uh, a people that he's asked us to love. And um, if this is something that's on your heart, um, you know, we would love to, to be partners with you in this ministry. And that is actually how we ended up being able to, to go to New Zealand was because because um, God provided for us through uh, people like yourselves, uh, through conversations like I had with with Greg and and um, and other like-minded people and f Jesus followers, um, and it's and, and it's so in in a really unprecedented short time, we were able to have enough financial support to be able to to travel to New Zealand and live there. And living in Auckland is much like, it would be about the same uh, cost of living if you had decided you wanted to leave um, Overland Park or Kansas City and move to New York City, Manhattan. 
that's, that's, the, that's kind of the, the difference in the cost of living. And we had a little bit of time, uh, a, a tough time um, quantifying that in our own heart, but we said, God, if this is where you want us, then this is where you'll put us, and he certainly did. Um, in, in just eight months' time, it took us to, uh, to, to know that we had enough support to go. Uh, all of the, uh, the missional es- experts uh, um, told us that it was going to take us uh, between 18 and 24 months to have the support enough that we needed to be in New Zealand, and, um, and we were ready to go in eight. So um, God was, was faithful in, in um, equipping us, and we've just tried to be faithful in, in doing, uh, sharing the message that he's um, asked us to share. Um, Greg was spot on whenever he, he, he put the, um, the title of the message or kind of the message series from Mission Partners that Southwoods has in, in um, spreading hope in New Zealand. Uh, because the title that I had made for the message was pointing people to Jesus. And, you know, those almost parallel each other perfectly. When I asked uh, God in prayer uh, what he would want me to share with, uh, with everyone when we came back on furlough back here to the United States. Um, I was just, I was, I was a little conflicted because I wasn't really sure how to put every story that we had experienced, every life that we had experienced in New Zealand into a message. And, you know, God, how do you explain what we've, what we've done here? And how do you explain to the, the people that have been changed for eternity? And um, how do you put all of that into, in, into an, um, you know, like three hours? Because that's what Greg said I had. And, <laughs> Um, and, 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 and God um, said, you don't need three hours. You, you know, you can do that in about half an hour. And I said, well, they're probably going to appreciate that. Um, and so I was, I was praying about it. And one night at like 2.30 in the morning, I woke up with the clearest of answers of exactly how to explain it. Now, I truly believe that this was God putting this in, in my heart for exactly what he wanted me to to. Um, um, to explain to each one of you and each one that, that partners with us. Uh, why God speaks at 2.30 in the morning, I don't know. Uh, maybe you've had experience of that. Maybe it's a Southern Hemisphere thing where, you know, the time is off and he doesn't talk between 9 and 5. But it was 2.30 in the morning and about an hour and a half, I got up, I wrote this all down, and, and, it, um, and it started like this. It, I, I instantly recollected a... Um, a, a scene from my teenage years that I hadn't thought of in years. Um, and it was a scene for whenever I was 16 years old and I was um, with a buddy of mine. We had decided to take a, a school holiday uh, that was not um, warranted at the time. If, um, let me, I just want to preface this. If you are a student, I am not going to contribute to the delinquency of a minor, okay? Do not skip school. Um, but we did. We skipped school. Uh, I was brought up outside in a little suburb of Atlanta and um, uh, in Conyers, Georgia. And between Conyers and Athens is the uh, Atlanta Highway. Um, any of you B-52s fans? Oh, good. No sinners in here. Um, so uh, B-52s had this song, you know, headed up the Atlanta Highway. You know that song? So, yeah, love Shaq. Um, we were going up the Atlanta Highway from Conyers to Athens, where the University of Georgia is situated. And as we're headed up the Atlanta Highway, uh, in the middle of what we, the school day that we should have been in school, um, I was pulled over for speeding. Um, as the blue lights came on, I thought that I could, could lose him. 
And um, my buddy who was with me thought that that was a bad idea, but I didn't listen to him. Uh, we, uh, nonetheless, we, we pulled them to a couple of side roads. It ended up being a dead end. I turned around, stopped, and just kind of waited for my punishment. Uh, the police officer was very kind um, in the way that he said, have a nice day, after he wrote my ticket. And uh, we decided to go ahead on up to Athens because we figured the day is already ruined. You may as well enjoy it while you can. Um, parents were going to find out eventually, and you know who knows how long. I just got off of restriction, like last week. So, um, as we're head, as we're almost to Athens, I heard my buddy say, "You know, I can't believe you didn't see the police officer behind that that coming behind us." And I said, "Well, if I had seen him, then I would have slowed down, of course." And my buddy Jeremy said, "Well, he goes, well, I saw him. I saw him like two miles before he pulled in behind us." And I said, "Well, why didn't you say anything?" He said, "Well." I mean, I'm riding with you and I didn't want to startle you. And, you know, you might have, you know, you might have done some crazy maneuver or something or, you know, slammed on brakes and we could have gotten in an accident. So I, I just, I just kindly just kind of pointed, you know, like, oh, and here he comes. <laughs> and um, I realized at that point that my friend, my best friend from high school, still my best friend today, had this fatal flaw. And this flaw was being a pointer. Now, Jeremy was, I realized later, he was a pointer. He would not be one that would overly uh, express his opinions. He wouldn't come out and just, and, and just start to uh, um, be really uh, flamboyant and boastful on the things that he would say. But he would always kindly and gently just point to the direction that I should go, the danger that I was about to get in. Um, a lot of times it could have, I could have averted um, a lot of pain and injury if I had paid more attention to Jeremy. And eventually, fortunately, I did. I started to pay attention to where Jeremy was pointing. And some years later, I realized that it kept me out of a lot of trouble. And that a lot of times I ended up going in a better direction when I would listen or when I would look over and watch where Jeremy was pointing, where Jeremy was directing me. And here's how it related. I realized that that is exactly how we had approached the ministry in New Zealand. When we arrived there, I knew that as an American, as an outsider, um, and not just as, a, as an outsider culturally, but as an outsider uh, faithfully, because New Zealand, the, the fastest growing religion in New Zealand is atheism. Um, it's not Islam. It's not Christianity. It's not Buddhism, Hinduism, anything. It's people are deciding for themselves that faith in general, in its entirety, has no effect, has no value in their life. So they're turning completely away from any faith, any belief at all. And I realize that as being an outsider culturally, as being an outsider faithfully, there was going to have to be a way that I could gently show them, point them to Jesus Christ. And it was much like just as Jeremy had decided to become a passenger in my car that day, that I rec recognized that that's exactly what we had done uh, figuratively in New Zealand. 
We had willingly decided to jump into the passenger seat of a car of a perfect stranger and go where they wanted to drive, go at the destination they wanted to go to, at the speed that they wanted to drive, whether it was reckless or safe. Um, A lot of times the car is extremely messy. It stinks. They have to move all their trash off the bottom of the floorboard and stuff and scoot stuff off the seat so we can get in. And we just ride along with them and gently, respectfully, kindly point them to Christ. The problem is we couldn't, we couldn't ask them to be the driver because once you ask to drive, no one wants you in their car anymore. They figure, you know what, this guy just wants to take over. But if you want to come along for the ride, then we're happy to have you. And I realize, you know what, it's not just, this is not just a, a, um, a colossal idea in the mind and the heart of Jeff that came to me at 2.30 in the morning. I recognize that, um, that another prophet of old also had those same, um, those same traits also had that same purpose, also realized that he had that, that exact same calling, and that was to point people to Jesus Christ. And that person was John the Baptist. And I call John the Baptist the inaugural pointer. So if there ever was a pointer that set the precedence for all pointers in history and the future, it was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist... Um, he realized that his entire mission was to point people away from himself and to the Lamb of God. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 35 through 37, um, the Apostle John says this. He says, The next day John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and he saw Jesus passing by. He said, Look, it's the Lamb of God. Immediately, those two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. John wasn't distraught. John the Baptist wasn't distraught. He wasn't concerned. He wasn't disappointed. He wasn't frustrated that his friends had left him and they started following Jesus. He realized that that was his purpose. That was his true um, calling in life, in ministry all along was to be a pointer of people to Jesus Christ. And I said, God, that's exactly what what we have been. Just pointers of people to Jesus Christ. He didn't give us any any magical method or a, or a, a, a certain scheme or a certain system in which to minister to the people in New Zealand because they've heard it all. They've seen it all. They wrote the book. They bought the t-shirt. And then they sold the book. And then they burned the t-shirt. It wasn't going to work trying to have the people of New Zealand um, come to a place that they have intentionally left. But what we could do was come alongside them in their proverbial car and point them to Christ along the way in their life. And I said, God, you know what? This, is, this means for me 
that I get to relieve myself of all the responsibility on whether these people decide to follow you or not. I no longer am responsible for um, how they behave. I'm no longer responsible for whenever they decide to turn away from Christ. At the same time, I'm also no longer able to receive any kudos or glory whenever they do turn to Christ. God said, just point them to Jesus and let me do all the work. And that's when I realized that we just merely needed to have a heart of obedience to Jesus Christ and then allow His Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to do all the transformational work. Because they'd seen men and women come and try to tell them, try to drive where they wanted them to go. They weren't going to go for that anymore. I realized that we had to take the approach just as the first missionaries did coming to New Zealand back in the 1800s. It was take two things to them. The Lordship of Jesus Christ and the truth that we find in the Scriptures. Everything else was negotiable. And I've told every single person there, they said, well, what do you think about this? How should I act in this way? How, what do you, you know, what is your thoughts on, you know, X, Y, or Z? Or what do you think about this particular um, uh, social issue or this particular bill or law? And I just kind of say, you know, I mean, that's really not a conversation or an argument that, that I feel like I need to have with you. Because I truly believe that if Jesus Christ is your Lord, you will know what the answer to those things are. I have faith that the Holy Spirit will actually transform your heart into being as much like Christ as possible. So you will think like Him. You will act like Him. You will behave like Him. You will, you will serve like Him and love like Him. And it's not for me to try to tick all of these little bitty pieces off, of your, off the box for you. It's actually just me to introduce you to Jesus Christ in its simplicity, in His, in His simple love and mercy and hope and purpose, and then watch Him do the work. Because by the time we, we arrived in New Zealand, um, that our first year was so traumatic. Um, just getting acclimated to the culture. We had a, a, a young child, a, a, um, an infant son who dealt with uh, severe eczema. Um, and I mean severe as in head-to-toe staph infection. Head-to-toe uh, bleeding and scratching, changing sheets two and three times a day because it looks like somebody had slaughtered a chicken in his crib. And I said, God, I can't, I can't plant a church here in this situation with my family. I can't take five minutes away from helping my wife with our son and our other two daughters. How do you expect me to plant a church? And God continued to say, just point the people that I put in front of you to Jesus Christ. I will plant my church. And I said, okay, if, if that's what you think, if that's the way that it goes, I can do that. 
I can, I can point my neighbors to Jesus. I can point my, the friends of my daughter that, goes to school, that she goes to school with to, to, uh, to Jesus. I can show them Jesus Christ. And um, I'm going to watch you work, Lord. But I'm not going to be responsible when everything goes south. <laughs> and God said, deal. And I realized that the Apostle Paul had much the same approach with the Corinthians. With the people of Corinth, he went in and he told them, he goes, I can, I could come in here with all of these ways to persuade you to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but that's not what I'm going to do. And I think that all of us are probably, we probably know enough about the Apostle Paul to recognize that if anyone could be a, a theological professor, a Bible teacher, a, 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 um, a scripture historian in this world today, it would have been the Apostle Paul. That's the way that he was trained. That's the way that he was raised. But listen to what he says to the people in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. One through five. He tells them, he goes, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God, I didn't come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching, they weren't with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that your faith not, might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. And I said, you know what, if Paul can do that, then we can too. Scholarly, I think we all know more than we truly need to point people to Jesus Christ. Because each one of us has a personal experience with Him. We have a personal relationship with Him. We have the ways that Jesus has worked in our own lives we have the ways that we've seen Him work in others' lives. And 99% of the time, it doesn't include um, dissecting sentences so that everybody knows what the Greek word was for whatever. Let me show you what I mean. Um, and before you go to the next picture, I just want to explain. Um, this is the way that God confirmed what He had told me in pointing people to Christ. We, we moved into this small community of Gulf Harbor, which is uh, on the suburb of Auckland, and uh, we were out of energy uh, to do anything that would have looked anything like a, what we would see as church here in America. And it really was just going to be about making relationships, being Jesus Christ to people, showing people Jesus Christ in individual lives. And um, I just put out a little note on our, um, one of our local cafe that we were going to, um, to have a, a Bible study um, in our, uh, at the school, actually, at the primary school. And it wasn't just any Bible study. It was actually just going to be a, I'm just going to tell you the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. This is a stump the pastor um, opportunity for you. Bring all of your questions, bring all of your doubt, bring all of your, uh, you know, um, any, anything that you would have that you 
have even thought of, don't like, don't care about Christianity, because that, I'm not here to try to convince you to be a Christian through this study. What I want you to do is, if you are an atheist, I want you to at least know what you don't believe in. And you know, it was amazing how many people actually thought that was intriguing. They said, you're right, you know, they, they were educated people, we should know what we don't believe in. So they, they came. And we had about, four, we had about I don't know, it was five or six people that, that came to that study. And I said, look, the first day I said, I'm going to open up Genesis. We're going to, I'm just going to tell the story of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. We'll read from it. And then I'm just going to give you just the, um, the overview of God's story and um, what we believe in the, the redemption of mankind. There's no expectation for you to make any decision at the end of this. We're not going to. I didn't even pray with them because, I mean, what different? It would have done me any good to pray with them. They didn't believe in God anyway. So I said, um, I'm just going to open to you the story of the Bible. And we started that. Um, we were about nine weeks into what I uh, designated an 11 week uh, study of the Bible, of the Bible story. And uh, this young woman started on her way out and she looked at me and she goes, no, when I came, this, this woman had, her name was Sam. She uh, had immigrated to New Zealand from South Africa. Uh, she had seen every kind of crime and tragedy that you could imagine in South Africa and had moved to New Zealand for safety and security. And she was adamant that a God that, uh, that, God didn't exist because there was so much crime and destruction and death in the world, especially in South Africa. And uh, she told me, she said, when I came here, I was, I was convinced that there wasn't a God. She goes, but through this story that you've just kind of shared with us without any expectation, without any agenda, she goes, I actually believe that, that there is a God. She goes, I feel like that I've, I've come to that conclusion now and that there's a creator God and that created me. And, and I'm going, man, all right, we're on, we're on the right track, God. You're doing your thing. And, and uh, she gets in and she goes, and I, I believe that there's just one God and it's not, there's, not a lot, there's not multiple gods. There's just one true God. And I'm going, oh, man, we're doing so well. And she looks at me and she goes, but this Jesus guy you keep talking about, I have no idea what he has to do with anything. And I was like, man, we were so close. <laughs> um, so I said, Sam, I said, well, if you've got a few more minutes, will you sit down and just let me explain to you what Jesus has to do with our faith? And uh, she said, yeah, I mean, I've got, got time. So after the Bible study, she stayed back. And what most people probably would have explained to Sam was our New Testament Jesus, which is Jesus was born of a virgin. He he came to save us of our sins. He was crucified, uh, buried, resurrected. Now we have eternal salvation in him. Um, that was not going to suffice for Sam. Sam needed a Jesus that was from Genesis to Revelation. Sam needed a Jesus that was eternity to eternity. So I took the next hour and a half and I explained how Jesus worked into the entire story of Humanity, the entire story of God's existence, the entire story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And in an hour and a half, she, uh, she got up and she looked at me. She goes, I really appreciate you, you explaining that to me. So have a good night. And she looked and I was going, wait, 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 what? Um, she, and that was it. And it was just thank you and good night. And I was like that. OK, I'm not I'm confused. <laughs> I went home. I told my wife, I said, hey, uh, Sam asked me 
about Jesus. We hadn't really gotten to, you know, explain who he was, but I told her who he was. And she was like, man, that's awesome. She goes, so then what happened? I said, nothing. <laughs> she goes, what do you mean nothing happened? I said, yeah, nothing. She left and she said thanks and went and said goodnight. And uh, so we felt like we needed to pray for Sam right then. And we did. While we were still laying in the bed before we went to sleep, I received a message from Sam on Facebook. And um, she said that that night she gave her heart to Christ and wanted to be baptized. And I had not even talked to her about baptism. And I was just, we just laid there in tears. And we were going, how did this happen? The church doesn't even exist yet. I've never preached a sermon. We've never sing any worship songs. I didn't even pray with her. I just told her who Jesus was. And the Holy Spirit transformed her heart that night. Sam was very kind um, in that she wanted to be baptized immediately in winter. In the ocean. Um, and she, she told me, she said, look, she goes, I, 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 this is just the way that I've got to do this and I've got to do it now. And I said, no, I understand that. We can do it now. Let me find a hot tub for you. And she said, no, we're going to do it in the ocean. And I said, okay, I will suck it up for, you know, five, ten minutes, whatever it takes. I'll suck it up. And she said, no. She goes, I, I want to, because I've asked you to do this, I want to help. And she went to a local, um, uh, what do you call it, um, thrift store, um, and picked up two secondhand wetsuits. Now, the wetsuit that she picked up for herself was nice, uh, a black slimming, you know, gen you know a, a very common wetsuit. The wetsuit that she picked up for me was not exactly that. And the picture next, so, yeah. Um, it was uh, from 1985, and I was the most hideous person on the beach that day. But everyone was focused on Sam. And that was what it was all about. And I realized at that stage, I said, you know what? I'm not going to receive any, any glory or kudos for this. Um, God, this was all you. All I did was point Sam to Jesus. And Sam became a part of our group that really helped start uh, the Vine Community Church. And she still serves today. She doesn't serve in our church. She, she moved to a different town. Um, but soon after, she became uh, involved in another church, continues to call us and asks us, um, you know, what, uh, what are, what's good teaching? What is, uh, should I read this book? Should I listen to this person? And now she works uh, in an office at a, uh, at a large Baptist church that's um, uh, about half an hour or so down the road from us. And the last person I want to tell you about is, is a man named Phil. And Phil, in, in much the same way, was as, um, was as anti-God as Sam was. But Phil, in another way, he, he, um, Phil was a spiritist, and a spiritist out of the UK. So he, um, he and his wife immigrated to New Zealand uh, in the midst of all the Brexit fiasco. And whenever they arrived in Gulf Harbor, they needed some friends. Now, they had never been to any church before. And whenever I met Phil and talked to him for the first time, I recognized that it wasn't just that they hadn't been in any church in New Zealand. They had not been to any church ever in their life. 
And the only reason they came to the vine uh, this one particular Sunday morning was because it had the word community in it. And they thought they were coming to meet friends and coming to make some, you know, meet some neighbors. They were in a new country. But immediately that, after that first Sunday, Phil's heart was different. I saw it and so did his wife. And even though Phil didn't know exactly what he was striving for, what, he, what was truly working in his heart, we, we did. My wife and I, and we said, you know what, we just need to continue to, to be there for Phil and point him to Christ. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit was drawing Phil. And Phil got to the point where he could not get enough of being around us all the time. Now his wife, not so much, but Phil specifically. He said, there's something that, that I know is going on with this place and, and you guys and the way that you're just presenting um, who God is and who this Jesus is that um, I, don't, I still don't know any, much about him, but it's this, I can't not come. And I said, well, Phil, why don't you come and let me do a Bible study with you or just, and just tell you the story of the Bible. So I had the same thing that I had done with Sam, I uh, agreed to do with Phil, and I told Phil, I said, well, first of all, do you have a Bible? And he said, no, I've never, I've never, I don't even know what a Bible looks like. And I said, well, let me give you one. So I gave him a, an NIV study Bible, you know, the big, thunky, chunky, thick ones. And um, Phil, this is Phil's approach to, uh, to his faith because he was so drawn, so adamant about learning more about God. He picked up the Bible and he looked at it and he goes, well, I made it through Lord of the Rings. I can make it through that. <laughs> that was it. No kidding. He went home that night and started Genesis 1-1 and started reading. And he comes back the next week and he goes, man, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I said, Phil, man, I said, you weren't broken a week. It's going to take a lot longer than a week to fix you. I said, just give it some time. I know that God's going to continue to work in your heart. I said, you just stick with me. I'll help you. We'll, uh, I'll answer your questions. And you just keep reading. Phil gave his heart to Christ in Leviticus. I've never known another person <laughs> that uh, gave their heart to Christ in Leviticus. And Phil continues to... Um, he connects with the most obscure books of the Bible that most of us wouldn't read all that much. Ecclesiastes. He loves, and he wants to talk to me about Ecclesiastes. And I'm like, okay. I mean, he, 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 was, he was saved in Christ before he ever read the New Testament because he knew who Jesus was, what the Old Testament had testified about him. And Phil, even today, Phil is one of the people that is um, leading the church while we were away. In January, Phil said that he wanted to help lead our children. And Phil does lead our children every Sunday. And everybody told us, well, Phil, you know, he doesn't know much about Christ. Maybe we should not put him in such a position at the time. And, and I said, no, no, Phil's got a heart for Jesus Christ. He goes, there's none of you have I seen. And I was talking to my people. I said, none of you have a, a, a striving to want to know who God is like Phil. I have faith that he will do the right thing. And uh, Phil came up to me uh, right after he, he volunteered to be a 
our children's pastor, children's director, and he said, I just realized that I volunteered for this because I wanted to serve, but I don't really know anything about being, you know, being a children's pastor. Uh, he goes, and I'm not even really sure what I'm supposed to teach them. He goes, but I've got an idea. He goes, what if I come and meet with you for an hour, hour and a half every week? You teach me what you're going to teach everybody else on Sunday, and I will turn that into a children's message and teach the kids on Sunday morning. Without me developing any type of discipleship plan for Phil, he did it by himself. He knew exactly what he needed, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it was God through His Spirit that put these things on His heart. And I know that it's, it's not just a calling for myself, but it is one that's for all of us. That whether you're in New Zealand, whether you are in Overland Park, Kansas, whether you're in any obscure place in the world, If we are just tasked, if we just focus on being the church, pointing people to Jesus Christ, then we have to have faith that Jesus Christ will build His church. And that's the, that's the work that you all and myself have been blessed to be a part of together. Is that we all have been a part of something that is um, way beyond that, anything that we could ever do on our own, way beyond anything that we could ever do separately. And that's merely pointing people to Jesus Christ and then allowing God to do His work through His Spirit and transform their lives. Let me pray. Father, we give You thanks for this, um, for this beautiful day and for the lives that you, that you continue to alter and change, Lord, through Your Spirit. We're grateful, God, that... Um, that the hard work is already complete. Jesus Christ, who is worthy, Jesus Christ, who has um, taken upon himself the hope and the mercy and the purpose for every single one of us, has provided everything that we need, everything that you have requested of us to share with others. If we merely just make him available to them, we do that in our in our words and actions. We do that through our love. And Lord, when we don't ask for anything in return, but we do that knowing that that is our worship. That's how we honor you. Because when we love those who are made in the image of you, our Lord, we're loving you. We're worshiping you. We have faith, God, that once we share Jesus Christ with those around us, that he will build his church by His power, and by His sovereignty. In Christ I pray, amen. Well, thank you, Jeff. And I um, just want to encourage you to stop back by the table back here. Knute uh, yeah, guys, just raise your hand back there, right there at the table right next to them. Uh, there's some pictures of the vine, and because, of course, their meetings have services and the whole deal now. Yeah, a chance to see that, a chance to see his wife and kids. They're, uh, they were going to be here this morning, the, uh, and then it's just been chaos getting ready to get on a plane this afternoon, so that's not working. That, so they regretfully aren't here, but maybe next time we get a chance to meet them. But to do pray for all of them as they travel, and I hope you'll stop back by and sign up for their, um, 
their newsletter. They do an e-newsletter e e that will give you information so that you can be praying actively about them. Uh, <clears throat> I think you see a little bit of Jeff's heart, and I hope that all of us will just follow his lead. Uh, it's, it's a biblical pattern. Um, God says, I will share my glory with none other. That's what scripture tells us. And, and that's because his plan is not that you and I get credit for any of this. It really is for us just to be pointers, to point the people in our lives toward Jesus. And as we do that, uh, God's spirit works. And uh, so just be, uh, be lifting him up. Let's stand and uh, pray. I'm going to ask you to join me uh, praying for Jeff and for uh, their church and for leaders and for the children. And just if you would, just just Point your hand out this way if you would, just sort of a symbol, a symbol is really all that is. If you're uncomfortable with that, that's okay, but just, just, um, just do that. And uh, if you have, need prayer afterwards, come on down afterwards. So Heavenly Father, as we uh, close this morning, we thank you for Jeff, for Indra, for their kids, uh, for their call and their answer to your call to be pointers in uh, New Zealand, to point people to you. We thank you for the people who, who now know you because of them. And we thank you, Father, for those who will come to know you in, in, in the years to come. And our request is for just increased anointing, authority, power from your Holy Spirit. We know that we cannot do this on our own. We know there's an evil one interrupting everything that we want to try to do and all the good that you want done. I just pray, God, that you will, will shield Jeff and Indra and their family and that you will empower them to succeed in all that they set their hand and their minds to do. Would you guide them, help them to know who to talk to, uh, how to reach out to them, how to point, uh, where to point. Uh, pray to God for, uh, for just a proliferation of the gospel throughout New Zealand because of their presence, their influence, uh, their faithfulness. Thank you, God, for uh, just what you've already done. And we thank you for these first fruits. And we pray and ask God that you will bring a great harvest a blessing those who will come to know Jesus because of their work. And I pray, Father, that it won't just happen in New Zealand. I ask for that for all of us. God, we, every one of us, we want to point people to Jesus. Every person we lock eyes with, is an eternal. Their, their lifespan is eternal. It's not temporal. And God, help us to, to live with those kinds of, uh, have that kind of perspective. Help us to, to point people uh, who sometimes are choosing other things than you. Uh, and yet, you could have chosen other things, but you chose them and you chose a cross for their benefit. So God, help us. Help us to follow in your footsteps. And we promise to give you credit for every person who comes to Jesus, every person, every life that's changed, every destiny that's altered. Uh, we'll give you credit because we know that apart from you, nothing good happens. Uh, God, I ask your blessing on this congregation and your, we together ask your blessing on Jeff and his family and the Vine Church and uh, just thank you for your grace and opportunity to partner with them. It's in Jesus' name we lift this prayer. Everybody agreed with me and said, amen, amen. Bless you all. Have a great day.